and not understand how important having this right to vote is. And you're not going to exercise it. You're talking about you being woke. Sound like we're stuck in the matrix. If you're not going to understand that, if you're going to stay at that particular level and not really open up about it, then we're never going to get there. That's my whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So huh, I digress. All right. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to welcome everybody to the Be Known Convo podcast with Fletch and Couch. As you know, we're going through all 60 episodes of The Wire, drinking a little wine. I'm Howard Fletcher, and I'm here with my partner in the pit, Aaron Couch. How you doing, Aaron? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, my man. How you feeling? Hey, you know. All right. I, I could complain, but I'm not going to complain. <laughs> you know what I mean? It wouldn't do any good anyway. Oh, man, hold on. I got this. Let me turn down Facebook. We'll check, we'll check all the people trying to hit us up later. So, all all right. Right, let me turn that down. All right, we're good now. Yeah, it can be loud sometimes, Facebook. Yeah. All right. We're on episode four. And the title of episode four is Old Cases. Ooh. Yeah, Old Cases. Yeah, so, yeah, a lot is revealed in this uh, episode. Yeah, Start connecting some dots on it some is. things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the series really picks up momentum every every episode, you know. This really starts hitting hard after it lays that foundation, you know. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the quote for this episode is from our man Bubbles. And the quote is, thin line between heaven and here. Mm. And we'll go into that scene later. That's a pretty good scene. Yeah, yeah. The wine we're drinking today, it's coming from Boxwood Winery again, Middleburg, Virginia. Nice, nice. You, you yeah. know, you're all going to see a pattern, you know, form in here because... You're going to see what we like. You can, see, you can see what we like. And there are some certain wineries that now, if you all send us some bottles, I'll be happy to highlight anywhere. And I'm going to go, we're going to branch out and get some more wineries. But these first couple episodes, as you can see, we're kind of hitting about two or three or four different wineries that are our favorites. Yeah. This one is a 2019 Sauvignon Blanc uh, from Boxwood, and we'll talk about that later in the episode, but how you like, have you, have you taken a sip yet? Oh, yeah, 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 it's, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice feel, man. Good, yeah, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't drink, now, I'm not a big white wine person, but the, you know, the whites that come out of Virginia, the grapes that they seem to, they use, I I like on hot days like this. Hey, man, yeah. I'm just thinking about making some fish and chips with this, man. Right. That's, yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, I'm, yeah, yeah. This is nice and smooth. You know what? After the, after today's uh, rundown of production, I might have to do that, man. I might have to do some fish and chips well, tonight. you know. Yeah. <laughs> fried fish is always good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Always yeah, <laughs> definitely. Always good. All right, let's jump into this episode. You got, uh, you know, you got Greg's and McNulty. Right. They attend a court hearing for Marvin Browning. I love this thing. Mm-hmm. He's a Barksdale dealer. He's arrested for a hand-to-hand deal. Right. And he's they're hoping he's going to give him some information. Mm-mm. Because my man has a pretty long rap sheet. I think McNulty calls it a book. Yeah, yeah. So they talked to the assistant state's attorney, and they said, look, we want you to pursue a maximum sentence on this dude. <laughs> so, yeah. So that when we offer him a deal, it'll look attractive to right. him. Right, right. So he has, he's been caught selling small amounts of heroin, cocaine, mm-hmm. and he's looking at definite prison time. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the way it's broken down there. If you don't take this deal, you're going to get definite prison time. And, and he's like, 
whatever. Yeah. I mean, he's like, yo. Five in for a one and one. Now, why bang me like that for a one and one? Because it's your turn, Mr. Browner. Everybody out there gets a turn. Oh, y'all running wild up in here. I'm thinking a judge might want to take a look at this and slow y'all down a mic. Well, I don't know, Marvin. I'm looking at your sheet here, and... Well, for one thing, it's a little wrong to be calling it a sheet. More like a book. Point is, we got the room to get a little crazy on you. Like she said, it's your turn. Tell us some stories. Might could be somebody else's turn. Stories. Avon Barksdale. <laughs> know the name? Every motherfucker up in them towers know the name. Myself, I never really had word with the man. String a bell, then. Weebay, Savino, Stinkum, CCO, Rock Rock. Well, who are you going to give us, Marvin? You don't say a name soon. You're going to be courtside. I. I. I what? All right, I take the years. That, that, that scene right there was so real. And, and what kills me uh-huh. is how Kima and they approached him. They just hit him with those names right there with all those people. Now, now this is something that I kind of looked at them as kind of slipping in a way. They've been smarter to this point. But if you really want to try to use this guy, you got too many people around that are witnessing that could be a leak. Yeah. Yeah. To the, even presenting that to the cat. Yeah. That's something that they really should have brought him off to the side. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I just couldn't understand that. I said, you kind of slipped on that one right yeah. there. That's That was my thought. No, yeah. that, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If he had said yes, then his life expectancy would have been pretty pretty short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, pretty I mean, sure. I mean, that was just weak in my opinion. That was a, that, their play on that was not what I would expect. Yeah. Well, there are not many scenes, I don't think, in which makes The Wire a really good series. Not many scenes that I think are done for dramatic effect or just to make a point. Mm. They're usually pretty realistic. I think that one was just to show that you're not going to get anybody to rat out Avon Barksdale. Yeah, well, and they just use him as an example. Yeah, yeah. and and But I agree with you on that. I just kind of add into it that that's sloppy. Yeah. The way they did it was it just was, sloppy. Very yeah, much so. Yeah. Very much. They had a short scene where the two humps, their names happen to be Polk and Mahan. Mahan is the guy who uh, Bodie hit at the raid at the end of the last episode. Oh, yeah, Mahan, yeah, yeah. He's the one that, that just basically tells uh, uh, McNulty, yeah, yeah, fuck you, McNulty, man. He, that, that's his whole attitude, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's why he was smoking a cigarette laying on his back. <laughs> right, so, right, right. <laughs> right, so he's going to take his early pension and get out of the force. Yeah, he's you know, done. He's, he's like, I'm disabled now because, you know, that, you know, that, that what they call him a, uh, Yo boy, yo boy. But what, what I was tripping off of is like everything to him is just like he expects it. Yeah, it's like he's sitting in there talking about in, in, the, in the hospital bed, got his leg up, talking about retiring and all that stuff. And then he's again, you know, and he's got the uh, the x ray up, just just like he's at the bar drinking and yeah. just is is his whole attitude, like I said, a humble. He's old school and and he's. Fate, guys like him are fading out. He's like, fuck it. You know, yeah. he's he's like, I did what I could. He, he, you know what? It's like his whole attitude is like, you know, when he got to a certain point where he realized that no matter what he does, he can only change but so much. Well, I don't even think he, at this point, wants to change anything. He's just trying to get Well, I'm out. talking about prior in his, in right. his life. Right. And yeah. now you're seeing yeah. the old guy. You're seeing years and years and years of that 
I don't give. This is all I'm gonna do. And and his attitude reflects it on every action so far. Yeah. So yeah. 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 So our boys, mm. Abin Costello, Hurricane Carver, mm. they're driving to the juvenile detention center. In where? Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Shout out to Upper Marlboro. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I got to kind of trip about that. When they were talking about driving down there, I mean, how many cats do you know actually said Prince George's County? Oh, yeah, I know. I, I'm like, I mean, that, was, that, that, was, that, that they that, slipped on that. That one. was, that's the one part of the writing I said, okay. You know, you guys kind of slipped on that one right there. But but yeah. I, I'll let it slide. Maybe they're just trying to give them their props and all that. Yeah, that's true. But They, they should have said PG. That's yeah, they should have said PG, but yeah, yeah. carry on. I yeah. digress. Yeah, no, I, that, that, that caught my ear, too. That's true. All right, all right. I just know, want to make sure, you know, because. You know, if you're from the Uria, as they say. Yeah, you're from the you, DMV. You would know. You would know better. But Prince George's County, where is that? Yeah. It's PG, baby. Oh, thanks, Mom. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what they were talking yeah. about. But yeah. it was, I'll tell you what was kind of a little time capsule, because it's 2002, all, all right? Right. And now Upper Marlboro, while it, there are still some rural parts of Upper Marlboro, and definitely out where the jail is, yeah. it's a lot different now in 2020 than it was in it, it really is, because you look at, when you're looking at that, I'm like, man. That's old school upper mall, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was yeah. really Long fucking drive. Me and you drawing another shit detail. This ain't a shit detail. No, I'm in upper fucking Marlboro, Maryland, and still going south. Look, another cow. <laughs> has this great plan about how they're going to go up there and, like, psych Bodie out. And Bodie's going to start ratting on everybody, and they're going to save the day. Yeah, but while they're doing all that stuff and turning into the place... Bodie's uh, hitching a ride. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <He's> yeah. <walking. laughs> Bodie, Bodie's, Bodie's made an escape. Made an escape using using the best piece of. Uh, yeah, let's talk about the escape, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Let's yeah, yeah. We got to rewind, man. He uh, he, he his his disguise was a mop bucket. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I thought was a little, now that was another one. I know I'm always talking about how great this show is, but that was another one that had me like. I don't because know. the security guard comes in there and he tells him, you know, wait, put this on. And he asks him who's up here. He said, bunch of, you know, DC boys and all that. Yeah. And he's like, all right, cool. So instead of putting the things on, he sees the mop bucket and he gets up and walks over to it and starts pushing it like he's the janitor. Yeah. He's the one. So as he's pushing it, he's peeping out, you know, what's going on, who's in the hallway. He sees this, uh, that little red line that says, don't no inmates pass. He said, well, hell. And he just turns to the left, walks all the way to the door, puts the bucket with the mop up against the door and walks on out of detention. Yeah. And that that right there was a trip. And, the, and when he was doing it, those kids were just, everybody was quiet. Nobody was saying anything. They're just watching them. Yeah. The other thing though, was Bodie was wearing that fresh beat down. Oh, see you know what I mean? So, yeah, so yeah. I'm just like you that, might, yeah, That's another thing. I'm you like, might yeah. be the janitor, but somebody beat you down. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess they just basically think you know the janitors basically got to fight their way to get to work or something. I guess, I, don't, I guess. But, but it was, but anyway. But it, nevertheless, when Herc and Carver are coming up there to get him, mm. Bodie's already out the joint, hitchhiking back to Baltimore. Yeah. So, uh, Bodie. So, so the Herc and them find find out that Bodie's up there, Herc and Carver. So they go back to Baltimore, right? And the first place they check is the address that they have for Bodie, which is his, which is his, his. And this, uh, this was, a, yeah, and this was a very interesting scene right here. Yeah, yeah it was, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> we saw a side of her that we weren't expecting. Yeah. Yeah, so. They go in mm-hmm. and, uh, you know. With foul language. Foul language. Yeah. Kirk and Carver do nothing discreetly. Never. You know, no, never. Everything, everything's just like the okay corral with those cats. Right. Yeah. So they go into this, you know, poor old woman's house and look for Bodie. He's not there. Police, open the damn door. Open the damn door. Open the door. What? Open the motherfucking door. And Herc realizes that they just rudely pretty much did a home invasion (laughs) on this woman who all the, the other interesting part of the scene is all while they're searching the house, she's just folding clothes. Yeah, she opens up the door calmly. Yeah. She she walks back over, sits down, keeps folding clothes while they're upstairs doing their thing. And, and it's like it's like routine to her, I guess. Yeah, because she didn't skip a beat on the, any of that. No, and she's not surprised that Bodie's getting in trouble again. Yeah. yeah. She said, what is it, the drugs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what was it that you thought was interesting about her, what you saw in that scene? Um. Well, she seems to be a woman who has probably uh, been a foster parent to a lot of kids in the system. Mm-hmm. That's that's the one thing that I thought of. And and the main reason I thought about that is because as she's being calm and relaxed and they're walking out, her stays as everybody else leaves and it's carving the other uh, officer leave. I'm sorry for cursing at the door. I mean, um, I couldn't see that it was only you. Is it the drugs again? Would you like to sit down? Preston came to me when my daughter died. He was four years old. But even then, I knew he was angry. His mother lived out there, caught up in it. After a while, you couldn't make us see nothing else. Okay, so we get to the this kind of the core of the episode, why it's even called Old Cases. Bunk and McNulty are back at the at homicide. Yeah. Trying to look through old homicide cases mm-hmm. and match them to the Barksdale organization. They are trying to see are there what cases are here <laughs> that we can trace back, hopefully, to Avon Barksdale. Landsman, who is their sergeant, who's their <laughs> this su- is, yeah, this su- is funny. Superior yeah. gives them a, he has a now see McNulty's been gone. McNulty, usually in the homicide division, is in major crimes down in the dungeon now. Yeah. As a result, their workload has grown because they're down one man. And they're pissed that uh, McNulty's not there to help him with that. So he's like, you know, McNulty, I got something for you. Then he starts to remind them where he actually works. He reminds them of the detail that he's on and basically he's still staying good with us. He breaks out, he runs down a whole guilt trip. Yeah. With this whole thing. And as he's doing it, Bunk, I guess Bunk is kind of tired. And Bunk also says, you know what? Minolte does have a point. Yeah. Because they've been looking for cases. And I'm thinking maybe Bunk's like, okay, maybe this might help us break break something in in a way to maybe think how we're overlooking something on these other cases. So maybe it's a break and they're still doing the same work. So with Bunk saying that, Minolte signs on and say, okay, I, I, Lansman, I will take this particular case. And that case is the case of Deidre Crescent. Mm. And she's a college girl that Mm. was killed far from the west side. 
You right. know, they're looking at murders that they think are happening around the pit and the towers and the hood mm-hmm. and, because they probably are the ones that can go straight to Avon Barksdale. Yeah, well. it, 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 they're, they're, they're looking at proximity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And okay. they're looking at, you know, normal habits, but they should be kind of thinking out, they should be thinking out of the box on some of this. So yeah. carry on, my friend. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, they get they have this girl, Deidre Crescent, mm-hmm. and uh, D'Angelo was marked back in the day as a possible suspect. She was one of her known associates. Right. So that's why Landsman said, here, McNulty, mm-hmm. here's one for you. Mm-hmm. McNulty didn't want to take it, but as you said, he got guilted into it, so he, he grabs it and he decides to see what's, what he can do with it. Yeah, yeah. They're looking at it, and they're like, hold up. Hold up, because now they're like more intrigued because they're trying to figure out what's with Barksdale, and they see D'Angelo, they're like, I, I, you know, let's, let's let's go ahead and go through our process. You know, right, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So they go to the crime scene, which is Deidre Crescent's apartment. Yeah. And they get let in, and this is where they have the the infamous fuck scene, which, <laughs> yeah. which this is a testament to the writers knowing the actors that they're writing for, because the only words, the only words mentioned in the scene, said in the scene, or fuck and motherfucker. Fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. 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 Motherfucker. Fucking A. Mm-hmm. This is a testament to Bunk and McNulty's rhythm we talked about. We saw in the interrogation room last episode. Mm-hmm. They don't really have to say the words for each other to know what they mean. Right. They just have to say fuck a certain way. Right, right, right. And right. so that's what that's what I thought. A certain way at a certain point in the conversation and as you get the information. It's like it has to be the timing at that particular point. It's right. yeah, it's like I guess it's like dogs barking. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now now what's interesting though about this as they're coming across this, didn't D'Angelo tell the cats in the pit a story? Yeah, earlier yeah. about this, he did. Yeah, he yeah. Did. I think and let's kind of rewind a little did. bit before we get back to them going into the. Or, or is, wait a minute, hold on. That's right. You want to go? We're going with the police format, well, so we, we can get, do whatever. We, we, it's we, our show. We can yeah, do whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just that I, I want people to really kind of connect how what D'Angelo was talking about earlier in this show and what's going on now. See, first of all, we already know that. Um, that bunk, that yeah, that bunk and Minolte are trying to you know find a connection on this with Avon Barksdale. Looking at all these cases, but right. they're looking at everything around the pit area, the generally the west side of Baltimore. They're just looking at what they you know the proximity, yeah. the usual way. Yeah. However, when Bodie escapes, gets back to the pit, and they're like tripped, like how did you get here? And he stole the Camry XLE and all that, and. And and he's just going down the whole thing, talking about y'all want to ride in the back. And this is when, this is when Preston hears from D'Angelo, like, "What the fuck is your problem? You need to ask around about me." 
I'm the one who just got home, remember? Eight months over on Eager Street with a body on me, nigga. Yeah, you got the one. Yeah, the one you know about. Man, y'all little motherfuckers need to ask around. Yo, out near the county, right? On the high end of the east side, they got these apartments out there, right? So there was this little shorty who used to stay out there. She was like, I mean, I ain't seen a female that fine since. I gotta say, Shorty was right. You fucked him? Nah, man, it wasn't like that. This was a Shorty my uncle was messing with. So, you know, they was going on at it for a little while till she found out that my uncle got another little Shorty ran away. More right to say he got a few of them ran away, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so she goes off the hook and shit talking about she gonna call the police, start talking about shit she ain't supposed to know about. Oh, shit. Yeah, you know it. But see, I got some creep to me. My uncle, he know that shit. So they rolled me out past her crib. And they showed me how she lives right on the ground floor, right? The first level. So, you know, I go creeping around the back to the back window. I got the four or five on me, the big gun. And I walk up to the window and I look in and it's dark as shit because it's like 3 o'clock in the damn morning and shit. You know, you can't see shit. What you do? So I pulled out the piece, and I start tapping with the back of it on the window. And it was quiet, you know, but it was loud enough so she could hear that shit. Tap, tap, tap. That's what she heard, yo. Sure enough, she comes out. She's naked and shit. I don't know why the fuck, but she has a robe, and as she's slipping on a robe, she turns on the light. And you know, when she does that, and it's light on the inside, she can't see shit on the outside. Damn. She naked. That is something that we didn't know about. We only knew about so far from the first episode that D'Angelo, you know, shot that dude in the town. We didn't know he was out there doing hits as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, so, so but now we know this. Do we? Well, I guess, well, we, we know this. We know he says that. Well, we know he says that. and But we also know that this woman was, this woman they would kill, we find out later, from Landsman handing the uh, case to Minolte and Bunk, that D'Angelo was on a murder that was not in the uh, normal area they would look at, but it was out in the outskirts of Baltimore. And, and so this becomes a situation like, okay, and they've been trying to figure out how to find a case you know, other cases they can can connect to them, Avon Barksdale, but yet, Lansman brings in this case, yeah. and it might be a bit, and it's like, wow, this yeah. is a trip, you know? And well, I'll tell you what, yeah. I was gonna plant a seed in your, plant those seeds. All right. Because we already know D'Angelo is inept at this game. Right, right, we, yeah, we're, we're seeing that. Okay, yeah, yeah. so when you maybe stretch the truth in the hood, in mm. this game, Mm -hmm. The last thing you want to do is stress the truth on something that could come back to bite you. Right, right. And that's what might happen here. Gotcha. Now, yeah, he does say he he does. We Earlier in this episode, we do hear about this murder. The way it's described by D'Angelo is almost reflects exactly the evidence, the physical evidence mm -hmm. that... Uh, McNulty and Bunk find in the apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now so, we can go through that part and how so, that happens. So yeah. one might believe that 
hey, maybe D'Angelo did do this thing that he said he did because he talked about shooting his woman through the window and killing her. Mm-hmm. And when they get to the apartment and start, at they being McNulty and Bunk, get to the apartment and start having the, the fuck scene, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> fuck. Yeah, every, every, they, every time they go through a piece of evidence. Right. They find through the, the, the physical evidence mm. is that the bullet, a bullet traveled through a window, Yep, went through the uh, Deja Crescent and mm. ended up in the refrigerator door. Yep. Which they were able to extract. Just like just like D'Angelo was telling the kids early in the episode right. there, and during the story, he was telling about how this hit went down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they were, uh, and this is what I found interesting. Uh, and I guess this is why I'm not a hit man because I wouldn't have thought of it. They, from the window where the where the gun was actually fired, mm-hmm. measured backward. I guess the the distance that a shell casing usually pops out, mm-hmm. and then went digging around the grass and found the shell casing. Yeah, yep, sure did. That was cool. Yeah, that was that was interesting to see. That was cool. That yeah. was yeah. Because uh, you you know that's another thing you don't usually see that on the cop shows or in the movies. Usually though, if they find the shell casing, they just look on the ground and see the shell. Casing. Yeah, yeah, they don't show how to get it. <laughs> uh, she shot where well, shell cases right here, yeah. right here, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, since, since we touched on that that scene of D'Angelo talking about that the murder, I did want to point out one thing because Bodie does come back, you know, after he escapes from from uh, Upper Marlboro. Ju- yeah, Upper Marlboro, the ju- juvenile detention center. He, he yeah. comes back and he, you know stole a car to get there quickly. You know, Wallace is like, "How'd you get here so quickly?" You know, he's like, "I stole a car." Mm-hmm. And uh, D'Angelo laughs at him, and he's like, "What are you laughing at?" Yeah, yeah. He's like, dude, and this is what gets me. Bodie will. Bodie just doesn't respect the. Bodie is about the game, he, and, but he doesn't respect D'Angelo. He does, and he uses every opportunity to say something to him. So he thinks he's soft. He thinks he's soft. He's laughing, and he's like, "Man, Boys Village ain't shit. I'm just too bad for that off-brand little boy bullshit, man. It can't hold me." <laughs> what you laughing at? What's so funny? <laughs> you was me. Your ass still be down there. I mean, he has no respect for him on that level. You're right. No, no. Yeah. So, and that's what spurs on this story about D'Angelo saying, well, you know, you all better ask around because I, I killed this other, one of the many, <laughs> I killed this other person mm-hmm. for Avon out in the country. Right. And so that's what that was. Landsman, uh, meanwhile, he goes to see Rawls because it is a fact that McNulty has been missing time out of Homicide Division. Mm-hmm. And he needs him back because the guess what? Guess who guess who's one of the few detectives who solves cases? That's McNulty. No, 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 look, there's a there's a scene and 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 it's so funny because Landsman Landsman just breaks it down and it's so funny. When he goes to the chief to Rawls. To, yeah, go to Rawls mm-hmm. and he said first of all, he says, you know what? I was thinking. I know it's against the rules. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's against the rules, yeah. but can I? He says, sits down. And and this scene, he goes through this entire story about how he's just butt naked and you know, drinking a beer, doing stuff that I don't want to even imagine he's doing. And then he's saying to 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 Ross, he's like, and all of a sudden, in my fantasy. There's McNulty. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah, says. Yeah. He says.
As a matter of fact, it's a fucking tragedy is what it is. The guy, he has come to believe that he is always the smartest fuck in the room. And you know what? It's not his fault. Because uh, let's face it, he's not going to Johns Hopkins or joining Mensa. He's taking a fucking job with the Balmer Police Department. His first two years in homicide, he's in Omansky's squad, partnered with Tony Lamartino. <laughs> Christ. It must have been months even. He was the smartest fuck in the fucking room. What's your point, Jay? My point is, he can't help it. It makes him an asshole. I know, but it's also what makes him good police. And the way he broke this down, he said he wanted, you know, he basically was trying to figure out a way to smooth it out so that he doesn't get rid of me no two altogether and show that he looked. I can figure out a way to get him to work with me. Because until I get this settled between you, him, me, and us, and the, the unit, I'm not going to be able to enjoy my me time. <laughs> and because Lance, Lanceman came in there to him, mm -hmm. he says, okay, if they can wrap up that uh, special uh, crime uh, detail mm -hmm. in two weeks, then he can come back yeah. on the night shift. <laughs> you know, yeah, he, he, yeah, he, he yeah. can come back. So yeah. Lanceman's happy. Because he thinks he's getting McNulty back in yeah. two weeks. And especially with what he's seen in that particular file. Right. Yeah. Right. Greg's and Bubbles, they're out go, you know, doing their patrol. Bubbles, Bubbles is in the back seat, leaning down, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh scoping out. I guess he points people out to uh to Kima. Yeah. And keep they're getting a, a conversation. And, <laughs> and Bubbs is disappointed because first he mentions Omar when they start talking about the robbery. Yeah, yeah. And she had never heard of Omar. And then she, he mentions his brother. Maybe. Well, the tower said it was Omar and his crew. Omar? Who's he? You ain't no Omar? Omar the Terror. Been ripping and bobbing out here for years now. Is he fierce? That nigga don't play. Got a last name? Just Omar. You don't need no last name. Who's his family? Remember No Hard Anthony? Came up with him. They brothers. No Hard Anthony? Miss Kimber, do not tell me you don't remember No Hard Anthony. Damn, girl, what time you been policing that all these years? And right now, I am personally ashamed to be your snitch. So while they're riding around, Kima gets a, a message. She has to go. Uh, Go to some meeting with her with her with her partner. That's right. With, That's with right. A girl, so she drops Bubs off with McNulty, mm -hmm. and McNulty gets a call from his wife because he's late for their son's soccer game. He takes Bubs to the soccer game, and the soccer game is over in the more affluent side of town. Oh, and, he and, said, "What was that?" The Bubs said, "Where in the hell and leave it to Beaverland." Yeah, leave it to Beaverland. Are you taking me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think, it, you know, that scene, I think that's a pretty deep scene because what you see from Bubbles, I think, and, you know, shout out to Andre Arroyo again as, a, as an actor, mm -hmm. is you could take, they could have played that scene a different way. He could have been taking him over there and Bubbles could have been looking around to see what cribs can I break into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. he didn't do that. He's looking around like, wow, this is really how people should be living. I would like to live this well, way. Well, I also looked at it another way as well, that not only this is how people should be living, but also, adding to that, 
that he's looking at homeboy, man, damn, you respect me enough to bring me over here with you this That's, time of the day? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and it shows when they get out of the car, Bob straightens themselves out so that he can be as presentable as he can <laughs> behind him, which I'm, right. I, I'm tripping on. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I didn't look at the aspect as you're talking about, you know, in terms of, you know, how he's not looking to, well, I, I did look at the fact that the whole aspect of just McNulty bringing him there shows McNulty more on the cop side and that look, I'm about people. Yeah. Not perception. Yeah. And 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 I, and, and like you said, it goes back to what he said, you talk about the twenty for the word he respects the work. Yeah. You know, it's it's like a mutual respect because he just can't figure bubbles out. He figures he thinks his cat can do anything. Yeah. I think he has admit that he could do anything. He just can't get over that uh, that affliction. And well yeah. he does he does give you know he does show him respect or more respect than the other police do. Yeah, and more respect than you would expect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So I, I thought that was one of the better scenes in the in the show because mm. you learn something about Bubbles again. That's about both of them, like you said. I didn't really think as much about McNulty as you did, and that's a very good point about how he, you know, respected Bubs enough to even bring him out there. He didn't tell him to stay in the car. No, he, he, didn't, he didn't say, say none of that. Yeah, he didn't say yeah. get down or anything like that. No, yeah. You know, so I thought that was pretty good. So. Yeah, it was, yeah, I just thought that was just, in these days and times for somebody to do that, I just thought that that was, uh, thought that was pretty, pretty dope to show somebody respecting, respecting that person for who they are and not giving a fuck what other people around them may think. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's my, that's how I took it. Yeah. And we yeah. also see that in a short exchange between McNulty and his wife that things aren't going well and they probably aren't going to go any better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they weren't. Bubbles uh, notices that too. Yeah. 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 So they, they are not on good terms. Yeah. So, you know, Kim has gone back home and she notices the cell phone bill and she realizes that the Barksdales are using pagers so mm -hmm. they can avoid any documentation of the incoming and outcoming calls. Right. So that kind of goes along. Now she's catching up to McNulty. McNulty's already seen that. That's why he, that's why he wants to clone. That's why he want to clone the pages. Right, yeah. Yeah. Right. But, but this, this helped reinforce that in Kima's mind. Mm -hmm. Now Burrell, goes and meets with Judge Phelan. Yeah. Yeah, because Morell is trying to, Morell is a political animal. So he, he play, he's playing chess the entire time. Yeah, yeah. He's in that position where he is almost where Rawls is at. He's above Daniels. Yeah. But yet he wants to, he wants to have the building to himself and kick a, a cat like Rawls out and be the big dog. Yeah. That's what he wants. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's, he, he's, he's leveraging himself in a, in a nice position to do that. Yeah, well, he uh, so he asked Burrell, well, where are we on the Avon Barksdale case? And Burrell pretty much tells him we don't really have much anything, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, we tried, you know, we busted a couple guys down in the pit. Yeah. But, uh, and, and the judge is disappointed. So the judge calls him McNulty. Mm. And they have a little conversation. They didn't really talk very long. But it verified the fact that they really don't have anything. But McNulty let them know that they, they don't have anything because they're not doing it right. Right, right, right. And, that, and that's a very important conversation. Yeah. He gets, them, he gets them looking at a different perspective in a way that, look, this is how we need to get it done. And it, it kind of like, okay. And he's, he already know what Burrell is saying about it. So now he's starting to kind of get open to getting this because he wants to get shit back to normal. 
So, mm-hmm. so he's listening to McNulty on that. Yeah. So because of that meeting, Burrell goes and talks to Daniels because he's like, "We got to look. What we? What do we need? What? Do, where are we? Where are we at?" The feeling won't let go. Are we anywhere close on Bogsdale? No, sir. So what are you telling me? I'm not telling you anything, sir. I'm waiting for you to tell me. I can do whatever you need me to do with this. If you want me to push it further, I can do that. If you want it to go away. And if you want to bring in someone else, maybe do things differently. <laughs> you looking for the back door, Lieutenant? Already? McNulty says this case needs a wire. You think he's right? It needs something. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he gets, he kills me. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, but Frankie Faison, I've always liked him as an actor. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, all right, so Kima says, t- suggests to McNulty after, well, during a conversation where McNulty explains to her the backstory of No Hard Anthony. Because yeah. she she didn't know anything about him. She was the, I'm sure this has been killing her. Who, mm. who the hell is No Hard Anthony? Yeah, who yeah, who is this? How did he get the and so he tells him the story about how No Hard Anthony tried to kill himself and and didn't. <laughs> Shot mm. himself in the chest yeah. and and lived and therefore is in jail, in prison, and that's why they call him No Hard Anthony. <laughs> um and during that conversation, Kima says, Well look, if we bust Omar he might tell tell us talk to us about Barksdale because he obviously knows more than we do because he's we robbed the stash house. Yeah, yeah. You know, so if we can get Omar, then we might get the information that we need. Yeah, which which ain't a bad idea. Right. Yeah. Right. So between McNulty and Kima, Kima go, Kima now understands that they need to do something else uh, because they're not going to be able to catch these guys. By monitoring cell phones because they don't use cell phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they yeah, they, they're going to walking downtown Baltimore, which I thought was a cool scene. And that like, look, it's old school here, you know. Yeah. Like, nobody use cell phones. She said, "What did what did Minotti says? Ancient, right? Something like that." Right. Yeah. So right. yeah, but this so, is when you start seeing this come together, the attack plan come together. Right. And yeah. what I find is in, uh, interesting about it is, and that McNulty's a quick study. He realizes now that. Although it didn't take a genius to figure this out, that mm-hmm. if we need to get something from Daniels, I can't be the guy to ask him. Right. You right. got you got yeah, to go yeah, to yeah, you got yeah, and he's like, Okay, I know that anything I ask, he's gonna be like, Why? Yeah. What? Yeah. You trying to fuck this up, me no to yeah, yeah. It's Kima can uh, present it that and Daniels is gonna listen. Yeah. yeah. So Kima says, Look, we need to clone this pager thing because they use pagers. And Daniel says, Well, we need to have a number to bug. Because we don't have a number, if we don't have a number, then we don't know. We you know we can't go after a pager because we need a number. Yeah, and who is connected to? And that's when our man Lester comes into play. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Lester always see this is the this is, Lester is the guy who wants who does real police work. Yeah, and he was doing it when they had the bus when they busted the pit and the right. stash house had been moved. He's the one checking out what's in there, looking on the walls, and he wrote down a few numbers. Right. Yeah, he wrote down a few numbers that could possibly be what? Pager numbers. Right. Yeah. And he dials them, and he finds that one of the one he has 
is D'Angelo's. Yep. <laughs> and he goes to verify. <laughs> that was dope. That was dope, man. Yeah, but you know, the other thing that gets me is, of all the numbers, it has to be D'Angelo. <laughs> look, look, he, he saw that D up. He saw, when he was in the, that in the last episode, he saw that D up on the wall. He saw that page and number. He was like, hmm, could this be D'Angelo? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then, like you said, of all the page and numbers, he, he uses that one, sees him, sees him uh, look for his pager, dials a number, calls it, and says, who's this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was dope, man. And that's who it is. Yeah. So he comes back, just like he did with the picture of uh, of uh, Avon. Yep, yep, yep. He says, boom, here's the number you need. It's D'Angelo's. Are you sure it's D'Angelo's? Yeah. Yeah, he's like, yeah, it's him. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was dope. That so, was dope. So now McNulty is like, I got to talk to this guy because this guy is like, really. Well, well, first of all, he was like, when he got, he he gave him this huge hug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, yo, yeah. yeah. But that's two things he's done so far that 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 he was that he probably wouldn't even gotten right now if right. it wasn't for Lester. Right. There's a conversation that. Bunk and McNulty have right before they go into the apartment to look at the murder scene. Oh, talking about as they pull up to the right. yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. And yeah. Uh, McNulty asks him about Lester Freeman. He said, "You ever worked with Lester Freeman?" Mm. He doesn't do anything. He sits down there and he just says one of my favorite the, lines. Yeah. And he says he's natural police. Yeah, yeah. You know now yeah. that's the now that's the only person so far that. Anyone's called natural police. They say he's a good police. Yeah, he said he's a natural. Bunk says he's a natural policeman. Yeah. And then he also said he makes more with those little toys of his than you do in your salary in yeah. a month. <laughs> he's like, geez. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's starting to learn all this stuff about Lester. He start. Yeah. He's like, okay. It's like he's starting to realize, okay, he got somebody that he can really utilize and 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 can be helpful to him as much as he can be helpful yeah. so forth. So it's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but the other thing I like, and this, this is what I like about Bunk. I, I live by this code myself. Bunk, he says, well, he was in the pawn division. Bunk said, yeah. Mm. And he's like, well, if he's such a good policeman, why is he at the pawn, pawn division? And Bunk says, ask him. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, I, and, I, and I appreciate that. I, I, that was dope. Yeah. I hate people giving my backstory. Yeah, out, you yeah. know? And that just shows the type of respect, you know, yeah. they have in terms of Monk's police officers. Yeah. You know, Bunk just like, yo, man, you know how this works? Yeah. Ask him, yeah. man. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was dope. Yeah, yeah, ask him. So what does McNulty do when Lester shows up with this phone number? He's like, I'm going to ask him. So you're police after all. You know what you're doing, but you ain't been doing it. How long you been in the pawn shop unit? 13 years and four months. 13 years? And four months. I gotta ask you, what exactly does a police officer assigned to the pawn shop unit do? You intake reports from registered pawn shops on all items valued over $50. Then you make an index card for that item. Then you file that index card. If someone wants to find out if something stolen has been pawned, we look to see if we have an index card. If we do, we do. If we don't, we don't. You did that for 13 years? And four months. Why'd you ask out of homicide? Well, no ask about it. You got the boot? Uh Uh-huh. What'd you do to piss him off? Police work. I think I need to buy you a drink. Just one? Lester is a man of very few words. 
when this thing starts out. Yeah, yeah. He's made of no words, actually, for a couple of episodes. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's just eye movements, yeah, smoldering yeah. And, and stuff. And yeah. then, like, in this episode, you know, he just as soon as McNulty's like, hey, you want to go for a drink? He's like, yeah. Yeah. You know, so they go out to the bar, and uh, Lester tells him why he ended up in the pawn shop unit. Yeah. And, and it was because he was pursuing a politically connected suspect. Yeah, and 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 and, and instead of uh not doing what his commanding officer wanted to do, he said, I'm gonna file this shit the way I'm supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think it's interesting because I think if you, as you'll see, this will probably come back around. Daniels and everybody wanted to follow the drugs. Right. Lester wants to follow the money. Yeah. And he say, he always says, if you follow the drugs, it's going to lead you to drug dealers. Mm-hmm. You follow the money, you don't know where you're going to end up. Right. And that's what got him in trouble the first time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, yeah. you know, I, you know, I, it, it, so he's all about, when they say he's natural police, that's, that's kind of what it, it to me, what he mean, what a bunk means by that. Like, Lester is trying to really stop this stuff. Yeah, he's like, okay, if my job is to to stop this uh-huh. and create, I need to create cases that actually get the job done. Yeah. And, and then he explains that later to Presbyluski. But yeah, Freeman is just like all about making sure that if you want me to, if you need that, okay, I'll go get it. Like uh-huh. they needed a picture of Barksdale, yeah. he went and got it. Yeah. Need you need a number and a name associated with the pager to make sure that that's the case here. I got it. Yeah. You know, yeah. He's able to do those things. He's able to connect those dots. He knows how to do it. Yeah. He's a natural policeman. Yeah. But, yeah, but he doesn't go in. He's not ready to put go in with both feet unless you're ready to follow the money. Yeah, because he knows those are the people who are really pulling the strings. If you're trying to stop this, you got to go after them. Right, you right. know, not just, just and, and, and people don't like that. Right, yeah, right, yeah. He also, when they go to the bar, he tells McNulty after he tells him his long story of woe and how he ended up in pawn shop division, he tells McNulty, "Yeah, you headed down the same path." Yeah, he <laughs> does. Yeah. You know that, yeah. that what happened to me is about to happen to you. Right, right, right. Just letting you know. Mm-hmm. And he tells him why. Yeah. 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 So. The last thing I have on the police side of things is after the bar and McNulty, you know, McNulty drinks. Okay, so mm. he's he's feeling good. You're talking about drunk outside by himself? No. Oh, not that, is no, that, no, no, no. No, that's other, uh, other episode. I'm thinking no, about no. him when he was drunk and he fell down the hill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, mm-hmm. no. He shows up at Kima's apartment. Oh, that's right. Because drunk McNulty is... He's like Tony Soprano, you know. He's gonna get his in. You know what? I didn't think about that until you just said it, man. <laughs> he just based yo, I yo, wow, wow. I didn't think about that. I did not think yeah. about that. He's because he like damn. Because first of all, he didn't think she was a lesbian. Yeah. But so he's like, fuck it. Yeah. Let me knock on the door and see if I might. Yeah. Get some. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, so yeah. Her her partner opens the door. And sees McDulty. McDulty's like, well, is uh, Detective Griggs in? She said, I'll be right back. And she goes to tell Schema, there's an extremely confused man <laughs> outside. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, I, I would imagine this might not be the first 
person who stopped off trying to hit on Kima. And you think other was, cops have probably done this shit too? Yeah, or, or just men in general. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, Kima comes and you know they have a little conversation back and forth, but it was pretty pretty obvious that he was there to try to hit it and shoot his shot, and it was obvious that she wasn't going to let him through in the door. Oh man! So he goes on his way, but you know. I, you know, we've had this conversation before. They talk about. When the- I'm hold on, I'm still laughing because I didn't think about that really. Because <laughs> I just thought he was just just going over there. Hey, we're gonna we go, we're going after the pages. No, no, no. I just I, I just he's really- like I wanted. I came over to thank you. Yeah, but I'm, I yeah I got it now. I got to look yeah. at that scene again. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it, you know, like, just like he showed up at the uh, showed up at the uh, prosecutor's yeah. house. Yeah, yeah, because the the the, the other thing this it's in the writing, the real dog men, the real men who are like McNulty horny. Mm-hmm. If if you tell and she, he didn't hear that. This is the other thing. He didn't hear Kima was lesbian from Bunk. No, he got it from her. He got it straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah. And a man who who's, who's like McNulty, the way that got processed was, that's because I haven't hit on you yet. <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh, dude, that right there is a whole nother ball <laughs> of wax right there, man. Yeah. Because, because <laughs> wait, so, so he's basically thinking, okay, all right, so you're telling me this directly, and it's not me. You're showing you that you trust me, and all it's yeah, that's that's a trip. I, mm-hmm. I I'm not even thinking that way. Mm-hmm. You think uh, you think you're a lesbian, but you really are. Mm, mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, boy. So yeah, that's going that's going to get him in trouble. But uh, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so Kima goes back. You know, they they part amicably, and mm. Kima goes back to her girl and. That's how she, that episode. She said a confused man is <laughs> at the door. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. She just like, this shit has happened before. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> now I got to go back and watch that again. That's a trip. I didn't even think of it that way. Yeah. Mm. All right. All right. So we're going to go now over to the West Side mm. and talk about some of the things that happened on that in, in, in the episode with those folks. All right. Because this is the first episode where really we find out a little bit more about Omar because all we know about Omar up till now is that he's willing to rob drug dealers. Yeah. And he's good at it. And he's good at it. Yeah. You know, so we, the first time we see him in this episode, Omar is there with Brandon and Bailey. Brandon is the light skinned guy who he has his arm around him (laughs) and Bailey is the other guy. And they're going over the proceeds from the robbery. And from what, from what we can see, Omar <laughs> takes these drugs and he sells them in another part of town. Yeah. For profit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is the first time we learn that Omar is gay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know. Yeah. You're like, because I'm like, homeboy's still alive after calling them out in the shootout. So this scene, you start explaining a lot, but you also see this, this is a bad cat and people got mad respect for him, but they're also scared of him as well. Yeah. 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 Well, the, the, what I liked about the way they the scene played out in the in the episode is we see we don't we nowhere until up till the scene has anyone mentioned about Omar's 
sexual preference. Yeah. Not at all. And he has his arm around this guy. Mm-hmm. Now, they just they just pulled off a robbery, so you can say, like, okay, maybe they're just, you know, partners. Yeah. But it's a little tight around him. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> home, and homeboy's doing a lot of head-leaning shoulder right, right, action right, on him. Right, like, right. like, you know what? This right. is intimate, so right. you so you recognize it. You recognize right it. then, yeah. And then he then he kisses him on his head, mm-hmm. a, a little bit too much like a real kiss. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Brandon, who's the who's the other guy, mm. uh, they're about to go in. He says he tells Brandon that, hey man, you don't have to go all the way home. You can stay no, no, here. Brandon, no, Brandon is is the is the light I mean, excuse, me, excuse me, I'm sorry, Bailey. Bailey, yeah, the yeah. The other guy. He tells Bailey. Bailey, like, no, nah, I'm, I'm out, man. Yeah, he's like, you can stay here. <laughs> nah, man, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, you can stay here. Nah, man, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm out. That's, that's. I mean, that's how he was like. He was like, like he was touching. He's like, nah, man, I'm good. You know, it's like, yo, man, I don't do that. Right. You know, however, right. I'm going to roll with you right. when it comes to getting this money. Right. So I'm going to see you later. Right. That's, that's how he was. Right. Yet he did in a way like, he don't want to piss Omar off right. or say something. Because maybe it's also a thing where people don't say that to Omar direct to his face if they ain't down like that, knowing right. how. Because Omar seems to have a little bit of a psycho temper. Well, well yeah. he, he will kill you. you yeah. Know? Yeah. So um, the other thing that's revealed in this is that Brandon apologizes for using Omar's name in the robbery. Yeah. And yeah. Omar is like, I ain't worried about that. Everybody know who I am. Everyone knows Omar. He said, I'm worried about you guys. Yeah. Because if they find out that you hanging with Omar, that, that puts you in danger. And he's right about that. Yeah. 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 That puts you in danger. Yeah. So the next scene that we see with, uh, oh, we also see that Omar is. Has a sensitive side to yeah. the, the and you see the, uh, the young woman with the child. Yeah. Goes to the Omar, yeah. talking about Mr. Omar, you know, checks late. And all that, and he looks at the baby and all that, and he tells the little dude on the corner, hook her up. Right. You know, so you right. see that part where he kind of like has a neighborhood behind him. Right. So. He has a neighborhood behind him, but also this is the complexity of the character because mm. is Omar a nice guy because he gives the mother with the young child some heroin? You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that, that's the that's the hypocrisy of yeah, it, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Avon, he's with his playing ball, <laughs> with his upper management, you know, Stringer, Weebay, Stinkum, and he tells them he wants a contract out on those guys who just robbed. You know how the crack of motherfuckers do when they kill a deer? Or like when they go out killing animals or whatnot? Got them on the front of the truck, tied up, stretched out, so everybody could see it. You feel me? Serious, that's what I want. I want that motherfucker on display. We send a message to the courtyard about this motherfucker so people know we ain't playing. Yeah, we got peoples on it. You tell them it's a thousand on the bucks and it's a deuce on Omar. Yeah, Bird's on it. Savino too. You know Bird jail with Omar down the cut, right? Nothing I wanted to mention. <laughs> And this is now. Listen, I am an Idris Elba fan. I know I talk about a lot of crap about Idris Elba, but I am a fan. But I tell you what, it was obvious to me that they had Idris off to the side in this scene because I have to believe that brother from England didn't grow up playing basketball. 
<laughs> if it was a soccer scene, a soccer scene, he'd probably yeah. kill it. Yeah, you're talking about when they're in, in the gym, yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what? Really I just, look, you know, I didn't even think about that until you said it. He yeah. really didn't even look comfortable, kind of out there. Yeah, because you, you know? remember Idris in the office. He was all about the soccer, man. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And you know, it's, it is serious like that too, man. So yeah. yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was there, but you know, they did have him throw a lob. He did throw a lob. Well, he did throw it up. He did throw the ball up. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how long they had. How many times? He didn't take him long. It's just like he's like, I ain't dunking, man. Yeah, yeah so but yeah, he did throw the yeah. lob. But uh, that was a that was a good scene, and it's also in that scene. Now, why did I bring up this that uh, Omar and they they showed us through actions about Omar's sexuality because in this scene they blatantly tell us. Oh yeah, they blatantly tell us it's because it's like you basically know now. Yeah. Now you're gonna hear them talking yeah. about it, and I, I'm glad that they had the scenes in that order. Yeah. I you know if we had if we had heard. Avon and the crew using all kinds of epithets. <laughs> no, man, they use they <laughs> to, use a lot that we will not use. Yeah, but yeah they yeah. they went off on him. Yeah, to talk about yeah. Omar being gay. Then by the time we saw Omar, it would have it, it. It's like you're th- you're like it's it, like you you started putting the pieces together, right. and then then right they say it is it, like before you turn to somebody that you're watching the show with is Omar gay is Omar yeah. gay in the next episode yeah. in the next scene they're like yeah. Yeah. I, I heard, and then they started talking about stuff that made you think about the past scene. Right. When they started talking about he got a slew of young young boys and all that. I'm like, damn, is he doing that to that young yeah, boy right. that's working on the corner? You know, it's like he's like breeding him. But, you know, that's that's just that's just the mind of a just a sociopathic pervert, no matter who he is. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I just, it was like you learn more about Omar. And when they talk about it, you're like, yo, Kind of shows why homeboy is like I, I'm. I'm heading out, man. I'm going. I'm later and going. How he kind of, how he showed that he had fear for Omar. So yeah, I, that, yeah, that's true. But I, I also appreciate again as a writer, I appreciate how they laid this out. That if you say about a character, this guy is gay. I don't care how progressive your thought is. Mm-hmm. Okay, you say this person is gay. This person is whatever. Mm. When you see that character again, you're going to project all of your preconceived notions about what a gay person is on that character, and then they're going to have to dispel all of that. And but that's what the no, that's what the normal mind does. Right, that's right, what that's right. what most people do. Right. They, they 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 the cliches come into play. Right. But instead, what they do is they let us figure out on our own terms, on Omar's terms, that he's gay. Mm-hmm. Then they show us that conversation, which is a different way of thinking. It's different learning process. Right, right, right. Which helps Omar be a human being rather than us having to or some of the audience having to get rid of the things they brought with them when they heard that he was those things. Because because also but the derogatory ways they talk about him. And yeah, yeah. It, it eliminates all that. You're yeah, right. With the yeah. writing, the way they build up the they it has you thinking about, okay, is he gay? And once again, those are the things that they put out because like if he's gay, you start thinking about cliches. Right. Well, he ain't acting this way. He ain't acting that way. Right. Which is a good way of telling people to stop judging people, you know, and generalizing. Right. And, but then what happens in the next scene? They right. talking about him in, in generalizing terms. Right. You know, however, they also talk about how that's a bad motherfucker, too. So they recognize that, but they see him as formidable. They, rec- they recognize that and something else that I noticed on the second watch, which I appreciate, is, okay, well, first thing, Avon doubles 
the bounty on Omar once he finds out Omar is gay. Yeah, man, it's like little money too, but everybody yeah, be into that. It's little money. Well, but how he, much was it? Was it twenty thousand? It was no, no, no. It wasn't it was that two thousand. Two thousand. Four thousand. Then it was four thousand. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was like. Wow. Then it was four thousand. Well, two thousand two. But still, they're 4, looking for crackheads <laughs> and and smack, yeah. smack and smack chats and all that right. stuff to go after them, man. Right. Yeah, they're not gonna put a big, huge bounty on them no. for that. Uh, but the uh, the the other thing that I find you you'll, you'll find as you keep watching, which is interesting, I think it's very accurate as far as the streets concerned. Hmm. You, you're gonna notice that the people that are really on the street hmm. that Omar could actually shoot. Hmm. They don't call Omar gay. When you see, when you hear, when nah. they when they're running away from Omar, they could be say they could call him all the epithets. No, nah. none of that. No, nah, they out. just like yo, here come Omar. Yeah, that's right. None of that <laughs> comes out. No, nah, no. Nah. But Avon and them who are like in the ivory tower, who mm-hmm. Omar, well, unless he catches them slipping, mm-hmm. <laughs> foreshadowing. Unless he catches them slipping, <laughs> they uh they they probably won't see. They hope not to see. They call him all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, they they they, they don't they don't know that you need to you know yeah. you might need to want to shut that up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Res- put some respect on his name. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, Avon dismisses all his lieutenants except for uh, Stringer, mm. and Stringer tells him that he's worried about the pit operation because the robbery coincided with the police raid. So he doesn't know what's going on if there's a snitch or what's happening, but this is unusual. And he's t- he reassures Avon that D'Angelo's doing well, but mm. something's not right. Yeah, yeah. He's like, D'Angelo's got the money flowing through, but somebody's down there doing something. That is pretty much because we went over what happened down there at the at the pit when when uh, Bodhi came back. Mm-hmm. And D'Angelo tells that story about the murder that he says he commit, committed for Avon shooting the woman in the apartment. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, uh, and Bodie, you know, he temporarily got a little respect from Bodie because of that. So, and other than that, they just, you know, they had that song in the credits where the, uh, they throw the rock and they break the, the security camera. Oh, yeah, 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 this, yeah. This is the episode yeah, where they think we, they, they, think, <laughs> they think we don't know anything. Yeah, yeah. they broke, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is the episode. That yeah, happens. yeah. So uh, this is a good place. I'm gonna take a break. All right, and uh, we're talking about a little bit about this wine that we're we're drinking, and uh, I'll we'll come back. All right. And this uh, wine that we're enjoying, which I think is, I'm surprised because I don't like white wine. Really, I'm not a fan of white wine. This is a 2019 Sauvignon Blanc. Mm. It's produced by Boxwood Winery in Middleburg. It's uh, like most of their wine, 100% estate-grown fruit. They grow all the grapes that are in this wine on the property. It's 75% Sauvignon Blanc, 25% Sauvignon Gris. Uh and I have a little blurb about this particular wine and these grapes. Sauvignon Blanc, which means wild white in French, is one of the world's most highly acclaimed white grapes. Mm. Keep, keeping pace with the Sauvignon Blancs of the Loire Valley and the Bordeaux, Virginia brings its own expression to this wonderful white, showcasing classic aromas of fresh herbs and hay, balanced with sharp acidity. 
uh, which that acidity is the little taste of grass or citrus and some that you get on the finish. Okay, yeah. they sell so they saying there's like a citrus flavor in yeah. this a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, in the back end. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. When Sauvignon Blanc vines grow in the uh, limestone-rich soil of Virginia, and in that limestone, you know, gets into the grapes, it results in a wine that can have a smoky aroma of flint. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Sauvignon Blanc pairs really well with oysters. Yeah, 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 they yeah. do. They, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That, you know what? That would be. That's why I talked about um, <clears throat> having some fish and chips earlier. But you know, the yeah. oysters. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, yeah. another thing. Yeah, you're yeah. right. And you know, so fish of any kind. A lot of people pair it with shrimp, salmon, chicken for sure. So there you have it. That's what we're having. And mm. uh, you know, go next time you're in Middleburg, definitely take a, a visit to uh, Boxwood Winery. They do some of the best wine in the area, and I'm certainly enjoying this. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. So Good choice again, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. We will get back to the show. <clears throat> theme of this episode is I don't know what was the theme of the episode you know? I had a couple that I was kind of pushing at first okay. however I look at this as theme more of like a battle of loyalty versus morals mm-hmm. you know you're looking at uh, how they're trying to get this case done how they try how Bonk and Minolte are really trying to get this done and you also look at um, my man uh, Landsman how he kind of pushes along as well mm-hmm. and and in every situation even even when it came to the kids coming back when uh, Bodie got back from stealing the car and he gets there you, you constantly see like even with Stringer showing up like okay where are you going to be at in all of this where everybody's like trying to see what's your next move are you going to keep in consideration if you do this it might mess us up so that's what i'm kind of looking at throughout this whole particular episode just that loyalty in the game on your end versus your versus your morals and like is this shit right should we be doing it this way or should we even be approaching in this manner so that's what i looked at yeah i think loyalty does but it plays a big role in the whole series uh, but a lot of times on this series, you're faced with a decision of whether you should do what's right <laughs> or do what's most expedient for you. Right. You and know? loyalty could be to the code as well. That's another yeah. thing I'm talking about. Yeah. The code of, of the streets or the code as a police officer. And, and you saw people weighing a lot of decisions on trying to get their own shit done. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm looking at. And it was interesting to see what appears to be good detective work by Bunk and McNulty. Mm. You know, you don't have... Now, granted, they're going to take that slug that they got out of the refrigerator and they're going to take it to the crime lab and all of that. Mm -hmm. But this wasn't police work done by a snitch. They took a file. They went to the crime scene. They laid out the pictures. That was good police work. Yeah, that they, was good police work. And they work. walked around, and it was that was detect that was that they were detectiving. <laughs> yeah, they, they were detecting. You know, I got yeah. all these detectives around yeah. here detecting shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, that, they that were was, detecting. Yeah. yeah, that was some yeah. good detective work, which yeah. was which was interesting to see. I don't know how often that happens, 
because like I think I've said before, I'm of the opinion that most arrests are done because somebody informed. Mm-hmm. Not so much. Or there's a sm- <laughs> there's literally a smoking gun. I mean, yeah, obviously if they find a gun with fingerprints on it and you know, yeah, blood yeah. is on <laughs> on the floor and you're standing there. <laughs> and the person saying right. like, oops, my bad. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but when a, when a case is old or cold, usually those cases are not solved unless somebody points a finger at somebody else. And that's when we have the scene of the motherfuckers. Fuck. Fuck right. me. Yeah. Motherfucker. Yeah. 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 That was a trip. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a favorite scene in this episode? Uh, well, I had a scene that that I thought was not real in that kind of trip. It's also like my favorite scene as well. Okay. But the escape. I mean, seriously, Bodhi uh, breaking out like that, just, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's he gets up, he's like, ugh. Just, just him getting out and just walking out like that. Right. And then, and then you see, you see, uh, you see Lauren Hardy, uh, Carvin Hurt, right, talking about coming down to get this cat, and they're driving into the place, and this kid's on the side of the road. Hitch, I, I just, I mean, it could happen, but I just like, damn, that just, that was just like, I love that scene, but like, would that really happen? I don't know. Yeah. 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 That yeah. was that was that was kind of a, that was kind of a stretch. Although you know. Usually, again, and, I, and you probably get this from it, from uh, Burns and Simon as well. Uh, usually, the the thing that you would think is least likely to happen is the way it goes down. So, well, that's you know, true. you know, it, most people probably escape those places that way rather than. Uh, little slip ups, a little um, somebody has yeah, just walking out the door when nobody's looking, mm-hmm. you know, rather than Shawshanking their way out. <laughs> you know. He traveled through 1,000 yards of shit nobody should have ever had to travel through <laughs> in their life. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go, Morgan. There you go. Mm. Okay, so for you, that was probably the most unbelievable thing. That, yeah, the, the but also that, one of my. Well, it's one of my favorite scenes. I, my, that was the most unbelievable. Really, my favorite scene. Mm-hmm. R- Ross in there listening to the story from by Lansman. Lansman. Oh, jeez. That <laughs> that that right there was just that right there was awesome, man. Yeah. And, and because I, I was at, like Ross at a particular point. You, you're gonna get to a point. You're gonna get to a point, Sergeant. And when he got to it, it was very profound. When yeah. he just basically said. He gets shit done. Yeah. Talking about McNulty. He's, yeah. a, he's a bug in my ass. However, I, I got to get this shit done, and he gets shit done. So I, yeah. I just thought that. And then he said, okay, look. He gets his hand on, then he's back. But it, it was just, I just thought that was dope. Yeah. Yeah. Landsman yeah. is a creepy dude, though. Man. Yeah, he, yeah, he ain't had to. That was TMI right there. <laughs> that, that, that was TMI. The the scene that I, I enjoyed is the, the one with Avon. And the rest of the guys are there at the basketball court, only uh, because you, you, not so much about the way they said the stuff they said yeah. or what they were saying, but you know there are very few scenes. It was an official meeting though. Where it's, it was official. It's meeting. like there's like one of their official meetings, you know. So yeah. And there are very few scenes that I can remember where you see that, where you see a scene where Avon is like calling signals. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where he's actually giving direct orders. To the whole group. Yeah, you actually see him in charge as right. the man right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> and you can tell it, as as tough as everybody is in that scene, there are no suckers in that scene. No, there but isn't. but you know who the boss is. You yeah. can tell who the boss and is, and they got respect for him, right? And and you even see the respect from Stringer yes. to him as well. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So so uh, I would agree with you on the the scene with Bodie leaving, mm-hmm. even though I again I think that somebody probably has escaped. Mm-hmm. From those place, a place like that, in that manner, yeah, it just was a little bit. It was just. It was just, like really, really. And you know, and like I said, this show for me, I'm like you, man. You get to the point where you there are a lot of great scenes, and another right. great scene we talked about it earlier was was with uh, when Bubs gets out of Kima's car, gets into the car with McNulty, yeah, and Kima asks McNulty, "Have you heard of?" Uh, 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 what's no my name? No hard, no hard, Anthony. And uh, he just runs down his resume, and and it was just funny that part. And when she he said, "I'm ashamed to be your snitch." Yeah, all that together was just was was uh was a moment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, who gets the either the MVP or the Simon Adebisi Award? Baddest dude on the tier. Man, you know what? I, I give it to Landsman just for having the balls to tell that story and come at uh, Rawls that way to, to get the shit done. That that right there was just a moment because it opened up it opened up so much on both sides. Right. Yeah. So I I just I give it to him. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was a bad cat for doing that shit, even though that story was like, Ew. but I, I give it to him. All right. I can see that. I can see. That. I don't know if there is. One, but I'll tell you who I got my respect of a type of respect in this episode was Bodie, mm. because because Bodie Bodie's just not a little young punk. You can yeah. look at him and say he's a punk, yeah. or, or 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 you know just a, a street urchin. He's got a plan, man. Nobody knows, but he got a plan, man. He's he got he's saying he won't be denied either. He will not be denied. I mean, we saw him. We, you know, we said that he was hitchhiking down. Mm-hmm. We saw him attempt to hitchhike. And we don't know how long he had his thumb out there, but, but we, we know do know. He stole a cup. Yeah. 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 So he was not going to go out like, see, Bodie's like, I'm not going out like he a sucker. He said you would still be there. He, he told D'Angelo, if it was you, you would still be yeah, there. you would still be there. So yeah. not only did he get out of there, mm-hmm. but he got back to Baltimore. Yeah. By hook, as they say, by hook or by crook, and which he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah damn, damn, sure did. Which yeah. he did, and he got back quick because the fellas at the pit were impressed to see him so soon. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, did you have a line that stayed with you? A favorite line? Well, like I said, go back to it. He said, "I'm ashamed to be your snitch." Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, that, that's my line right there. I'm ashamed to be your snitch. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. I hate to. But I'm going to do it. I hate to reach back to the line that they use to start the episode. Mm. But, you know, when when uh, McNulty drops Bubs off after taking him to the soccer game. Yeah. You know, Bubs looks at him and says, thin line between heaven and here. You yeah. Know, like, you know, he's, he, Bubs is just, he changed Bubs' perception of things just then. For, you saw two things. One, he didn't go, he didn't drive Bubs. It wasn't like he took Bubs in a plane to... Harris. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> he no. just drove him across town. Yeah, yeah. And and Bubs, who's looks like he's, you know, upper thirties, mm. forty maybe, is he had never even 
he didn't even know that neighborhood existed. No, he damn sure didn't. And and so that shows you how first how small their worlds are, and then secondly how Bub says some he has the ability to take in information and process it, unlike say some of the young kids at the pit. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he has a high IQ. That's yeah. what it, that's what impresses McNulty about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even look at it that way, yeah. especially with them just when he went to uh, what Leave It to Beaverland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he yeah. just he he realized that he said, man. I just went on a car ride to heaven, mm-hmm. and now I'm back in the hood. You know, thin line between heaven and here. I thought that was a pretty good one. Yeah, that's <clears throat> as you look at it that way. That's that's pretty dope. Yeah. Was there any uh, gear tech anything that you saw from back in the day? Man, McNulty man had on that burgundy leather jacket, man. <laughs> yo, I, I mean, on the real, that burgundy leather jacket. I'm like, yo, I, I, I mean. I, I'm digging it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's something that you know in the fall. Mm-hmm. I might, I might have to, I might have to do that. <laughs> he was, he was born it. Yeah. He was born yeah. Yeah. I didn't really see. I didn't. I, nothing stood out. To me. I do like that leather jacket. I that I didn't write that down though because it. But that was a. Uh, that probably would be one. Well, well, you were talking about the basketball scene, man. Look at the. They they had on the proper basketball gear in terms of you know the long shorts and all that. I tell that to my son. He says, "Dad, I'm staying with the long shorts playing ball." I yeah. said, "Yes, and I'm." I said, "You got to realize, son, we went away from them tight shorts for a reason." Yeah, it, it, I mean, there, <laughs> there's a, a reason. I mean, that is a fact. That's you a know, fact. you want to be able to perform without performing. So that's a fact. There, that's there a we fact. go. All right, that's a fact. <laughs> All right. I, I will say one more thing. Yeah. I know people are gonna think, "Damn, he's hating on Idris." I'm not hating on Idris Elba. I'm not. He's one of my favorite mother, actors, actually. Pretty but motherfucker. He, but he's one. <laughs> but he's right. one of those people who he used to see on. He doesn't look like he did. He was geared up. He had the hoodie with the matching, uh, uh, long shorts. But he's one of those guys who comes to the gym, but he never runs. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he's got all the gear, but he's not trying yeah, to be that. You know? Yeah, you know he had like he had on the Fubu gear. Yeah, man. He had the Fubu gear, but yeah, nah, man. I ain't running. Yeah, man. Nah, yeah, I ain't running. I'm just gonna yeah. walk around. Yeah, he gonna walk around. I, I might, know? I might do, I might walk on the treadmill a little bit. I might pick yeah. up a couple of weights, but yeah, I ain't, he, I ain't trying to sweat. Yeah, no, nah, he's not trying to sweat <laughs> at all. I ain't trying to sweat at all. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's how he was. Yeah. At all. Did yeah. any uh? No music. I was trying to think of what music. There wasn't was really there. any music in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No music. And did we uh, we miss anything? Is there anything that uh, nah, should, that we, I should have mentioned? Nah, nah. We pretty much on it on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, listen. We at that part of our episode where we go ask you guys to do a little something for us, if you would. We'd like you to please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. We have gotten a lot of subscriptions lately. We're very grateful for that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. We'd like some more ratings, though. So if you haven't rated us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please. Apple, I will tell you, Apple, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts now, which is rather a new platform, that will definitely help us out if you go on there and give us five stars and say something nice about us. Yeah. We'd like some feedback from you uh, on many levels. And one of the best ways to contact us is through email. I'm gonna get it right this time. All right, I'm I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm look, 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 I'm, look, I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm gonna get it right this time. Yeah, there. Uh, you can reach Aaron on his email for us, and that couch like the sofa mm-hmm. at vinoandcombo.com. That's c o 
U C H mm-hmm. at V I N O A N D C O N O V O. All right. <laughs> dot com. All right. All, All right. right. All right. And you can reach me uh, at Fletch, F L E T C H, at Vino and Combo dot com. We also have a couple ways you can hit us up on social media. You can hit us on Twitter, Instagram, and we're still working on TikTok. I'm going to get something on TikTok Tick this week. Tock. Yeah, we, we definitely will. Uh, on this Easily. week. Yeah, definitely will. All, uh, all of those are at Vino Convo. V-I-N-O-C-O-N-V-O without the and in the middle. Vino Convo. Okay. So please hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you guys know of a winery or a craft brewery in the area, in the Washington metropolitan area, that you'd like us to highlight uh, something that they make, we'd love to do it. Please email us and let us know. Give us a contact there, or better yet, just send us a bottle, and we would love to highlight that beverage. Also, if you're out of the D.C. metro area and there's a beverage, an adult beverage you'd like us to highlight, Mm -hmm. reach out. We'll figure out a way for you to get it to us. And we, we know people. We know people. We know people. And we will make that happen. And finally, we'd love to have somebody join us here and be part of the conversation. So if you live in the D.C. metro area or you're going to be in the D.C. metro area anytime between now and, I guess, 56 more episodes, 56 more weeks, mm-hmm. and you like The Wire and you like adult beverages and what we're doing here, please reach out and contact us and we'll make that happen. That's one point. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right. All right. You got anything else? That's it, my man. I'm just enjoying the wine, man. We're finishing up the wine. So. All right. All, All right. right. All right. Well, we will see you next week when we're going to be on episode five. Woo. We making it happen. Yeah, we making it happen. I'm, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to see what the title of that is. Oh, my. Look. I got it. I got it. It's the pager. Uh, ooh. Oh, yeah. We yeah. Get, yeah, it gets good. The pager. Yeah, it gets real good. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Love you all. See you later. (sighs) Well, we are hot, my man. So whenever you want to begin, we are all set. Oh, man. See how easy that was? (laughs) Yeah, it was easy. It was easy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)